0: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the winner is coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Smith, Corey Thone, and Isis and we're here to talk about the Game of Thrones season seven finale, "The Dragon and the Wolf," and we got a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it, uh, guys. Instant reactions from the episode, Isis. What did you think? I know you loved your boy Jon Snow getting down, but um, what's your other takes from the episode?
3: You know, I really enjoyed this episode. I don't think it was the strongest season finale uh, by any means. I wouldn't even say it was one of the top three season finales. Uh, but I felt like it was—it's—it still was a very good season finale um, compared to what I expected. Especially the last two episodes um, of Game of Thrones were were just there were so many problems. Um, so I felt like this was a really tight one. Corey like Smith. His, Corey
2: Smith, you uh, you've got some thoughts. Share them. Share them
4: with the group. Um, Don't encourage
5: him to share.
4: (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) no, I liked it. I don't know if I put it in the top three season finales, but I thought it was a really good season finale. I felt like it was it was one of the most evenly paced episodes of Of the the entire season. season. Yeah, it, it felt. Kind of like a a classic, you know, more like a classic Game of Thrones episode. I I think a lot of the episodes this season were kind of up and down, and everybody's jumping around the map, and everything's just happening so fast. And this one felt like a little bit more like kind of what we all, you know, know and love about the show. So I thought it was really good, Um, and, and, yeah, I liked it. Corey Thone, what were your thoughts on it?
5: Best episode of the season. I think yeah. that's, that's my first takeaway. I don't think it's... I think this one and the opener were the two best episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. So the episode was sandwiched with really good bread and some, you mm-hmm. know, like... I, I like Oscar Mayer bologna, personally, but it was like <laughs> Oscar Mayer bologna and American cheese in between. But it's... Basically, it this spam. episode it was... was hey, fried spam's not bad. <laughs> so, again, when you're, when you're when you're one of the poorers, you make do. So... <laughs> Right, this episode, was, this episode was fine. What I, eat, I'm in that group. My pantry has spam in it. What do okay, you want? Okay, fine.
2: Me? I like spam sandwiches with tomato on them, as long as they're fried. Let's go ahead and talk about that too.
5: All right, fine. Uh, Duke's mayonnaise always <laughs> Get whatever else. Get that Hellman's out of here. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, he. This episode was fine. It was it was a good cap on the season. It's funny to me that. I see a lot of people complaining about this episode online, like a lot of people. And it's like, this was the best episode <laughs> of the season. Anyone that comes out and like, yes, this episode still had many of the same problems that other episodes had. But, you know, this episode and and, and Smith hit on it, this episode had that others didn't was a more consistent pace, tone and b- dialogue. Yeah, Like we actually got the thing that makes Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones has always been the characters, their well-rounded development, and the interaction that these well-rounded characters, like a Jaime Lannister, who we've seen go from smarmy douchebag that everybody hates, to one of those sympathetic characters, to Tyrion, to Cersei, all the Lannisters, obviously. Even the Starks, who haven't been as developed overall, we've, we've gotten back to, in this episode... Setting up scenes with dialogue that Mm -hmm. have foreshadowing to them instead of making a scene like implicitly be foreshadowing just in construct, which I don't know if that gets my point across. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later when we get to the Starks. But uh, yeah, this episode was fine and it had a lot of really great shit in it. It also had some really dumb stuff. But when it was good, this episode felt like a season, you know, four episode with yeah. Tyrion and Cersei, in particular Tyrion and Cersei, that scene was incredible, the Hound and Brienne with their, you know, smiling about raising Arya, oh, so, that, was well, so great. Like, that kind of stuff, right, that was so, so great. yeah, it, it, a lot of it was at quote unquote fan service, and I know, I, I think I saw Isis, or, or I think it was Isis, retweeting something about people bitching about fan service, it's like, don't understand what payoff is, so it's like... <laughs> Of course, of course, we all wanted to see John and Danny bang. That's been implied since, like, season two. Like, that was going to be where it goes. Like, we just, it's the song of ice and fire. Of course, those two are going to get together. So, right. it's not fan service. It's literally what needs to happen. So, yeah, this this episode suffered from some of the same mistakes, I think. It also suffered from being the setup season that mm. so many shows do suffer from. The penultimate season takes a dip, so hopefully next season, since they're all going to be at least 80 minutes, we will all feel like this episode and not like the ones before.
2: At least I think the finale set up a season eight that has the potential to be really, really good because – and I think maybe uh, Kit Harrington said that in an interview. He said the finale will set up season eight, like, and it's perfect because you have all the talking between characters I don't usually get to talk uh, – You know, Jon Snow talking to Cersei Lannister, uh, the interaction between uh, Daenerys and Cersei was perfect, you know, like, sorry if I'm late, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, That was great. Uh, There were some great moments. I think for me, uh, let's just start at the beginning, Uh, the Hound and Brienne interacting with each other was so perfect that, and I don't care if people want to call it fan service, it is absolutely payoff. It's... Season after season of Arya Stark roaming the Winter uh, Riverlands with the Hound, going to Bravos, mentioning the Hound and her and her names of people she wants to kill, leaving the Hound after she you know before she goes to the Riverlands, abandoning him. The Hound coming back and the Broken Man. Uh, Brienne always feeling guilty for never actually getting Arya. Um, it all paid off, you know. For basically, Brienne said nobody needs to protect her. You know, like, she's good. And they shared that smile, and that was perfect. But the Hound had another interaction in this episode, and <laughs> let's just call it the anti-Klegainbowl. bowl walk, 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 And it was okay. I don't mind not getting air horns for this. It was the perfect – I don't know, Cory Phone. you and I are always talking about Klegain Bowl. It was the perfect way – for a man who's supposed to be redeemed to address the brother that he's always hated. What do you think?
5: Yeah, I mean, it was – that that truly was like a fan service thing. I know I just said, like, who was a – but that was them acknowledging the fact that the Internet has wanted to see Cogain Bowl forever. And that kind of confirming, Air Horns in the Distance, that one day <laughs> it could happen – I I'm still not sold that it actually will.
2: Yeah, maybe. And if it
5: does, if it does, I'm not sold that it'll be as as awesome as we all think. But I, um, yeah, that whole scene was great. The Hound, I thought he was leaving. I thought he was like, I can't be in the same place with you know my brother. But instead, he went to get his backpack. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> he went to get his backpack and it had some rotten meat inside of it. Um Corey Smith, did you notice that the mountain is looking a little bit worse for wear? Like he's starting to deteriorate underneath that helmet. Did you notice that?
4: Yeah, and he didn't he didn't quite he didn't look quite as big uh compared to the hound as in seasons past. And I know in the you know, in season one when they kinda had their little skirmish it was a different actor, uh, playing in the mountain and season um, two had
2: a different actor as well
4: right and they didn't settle on on uh this guy until i can't i'm not even gonna pretend to pronounce his name Bjornson or whatever um until season four but yeah he didn't look he was looking pretty pretty ragged and we got several close-ups of his face um between the dragon pit and then jamie and and Tyrion. um so yeah he was looking he was looking pretty haggard um but i i think i think the whole little show off the showdown definitely confirmed that one day we'll get Clegging Bull. And- I think
5: that they initially just to jump in on the framing, I think they initially or intentionally not initially intentionally tried to make the hound make Rory McCann look more closer in stature to his brother just so We can try to get the idea, because they also had him carrying that giant crate on his back, right? Yeah. So they very much made the the point, because, like, that was so extra. He didn't have to do that. (laughs) He had the thing on a fucking buggy when they brought it in. Why why, why would he carry it on his back? There were a bunch of Lannister soldiers standing next to
2: him. He could have made them carry it up. (laughs)
5: Yeah, these last few seasons they've 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 made it a point to pepper in like I know that the hound doesn't like he's not the world's strongest man like like half half four four is as it is like we know <laughs> he's four. not his name is now half horror yeah half, go half, ahead and half horror whatever uh that guy I know he's not the world's strongest man but he they're trying to let you know he's a big freaking dude he's carrying that log last season mm-hmm. when we first see him. And now he's he's you know carrying on his back that giant crate and standing in front of his brother looks almost as big. So they're like trying to remind you that yeah he's he's a badass, which is also like peppering in as well, just a little on top. That Brian beat him. So oh, it's snap. It's That's good. True. They're they're really letting you know that like he's he's not a tiny person.
2: I also like the fact that well I don't like the fact Corey Smith. You and I have talked about this. The armor on the mountain this, this season has looked just like shit. Like, he has no neck. Uh, yeah. Covered. It just does I, mean, I preferred the gold armor. Much preferred yeah. the gold armor.
4: He looked more, you know, hulking and kind of physically intimidating in the gold armor. And now, yeah, he has no neck. It's much more streamlined. And it, it just... it It's not a good look for... It's not as intimidating as the old gold armor was. And, I mean, I get it. Cersei's trying to do her own little Queensguard thing and all that and I get it but it just it doesn't just, look just as good. Just spray
2: paint the old armor.
4: <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't I didn't get it at all so I don't know. Anyway. I guess we'll see w- where it goes. But.
2: We had some great interactions in the Dragon Pit. Um, Isis what was your favorite interaction from the Dragon Pit? I know that them all waiting around for Danny was perfect, and then when Drogon lands, he kind of gingerly crawls in, like you know, I'm gonna fuck you up, but there's a trap here, that kind of shit, and then uh, and then he 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 nope's out of there. But what was your favorite interaction?
3: Well, I mean, I think, and people are gonna probably disagree with me. Uh, but Euron, I thought Euron was absolutely hilarious. Um, I mean, of course, you know we're we're seeing him trying to instigate something with Theon, and thankfully Theon didn't take the bait. He didn't, you know, he was there for a purpose, and he was there to support John and Danny. And I really love the fact that he did that. And um, but it, his whole like swagger. I mean, he still has not lost the swagger. And then when he said. Peace out! I'm I'm gonna go and take my ships. I'm out. I'm not gonna stay around for for whatever is coming. Um, what he had saw, what everyone had saw there. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know. And I and I'm not gonna lie, I bought it completely. Bought the fact that he because he is such a selfish person that I could see him saying, you know what, I'm out for myself. You guys, good luck with yourselves. Um, what I didn't buy was Cersei. Kind of yelling at Euron. Uh, I was like, "Really? You're going to yell at Euron?" I mean, that's normally stuff that she likes. You know, she likes him getting all kind of kinds of crazy. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And I'm not going to lie, the way Danny was like, "Sorry," you know, like, <laughs> "Sorry, I got in late." You know, I mean, I did. I flew via dragon. You know, that shit happens. And uh, and just to see Cersei just fucking seething that danny had this amazing fucking entrance and she just walked in i
2: like the euron interaction as well what i liked about that was that Tyrion looks over at theon and talks about dwarf jokes and theon's reaction is his wasn't even good (laughs) yeah that was a great comeback
3: well, and I, I love the, the back and forth between Jamie and Tyrion of them basically trying to hold this meeting together. Like, it, I mean, it's frayed at best and, and could, you know, it's so fragile. That at any minute, people can fucking die. People, you know, can be set up on fire and shit like that by a dragon. I mean, it, it's it's such a delicate, delicate moment, and you could just see John and Jamie basically communicating just by looks just just by looks. And that, to me, was really great because I always felt that John and Jamie had a, a huge connection, and it was good to see that again. Their last.
5: I have a I have a question actually about the scene. Yeah. It would help me appreciate the year on scene more. Uh, did they know what Danny was going to be doing when she came down? Did they know that she was bringing a a, a, a why? Did they know she was going to try to propose yes. a truce? They knew yes. all that.
4: They knew she was well, bringing proof, right? And they didn't know specifically. But remember, that was part of why Tyrion went to speak with Jamie was that he wanted to proposed the truce for this reason. Yeah, not not just for its own sake, like, hey, let's stop fighting, but because we needed to fight the dead. And maybe they didn't know the exact thing they were bringing, but they knew they were bringing something. So I
5: don't know. I just That scene, to me, it was really cool when it happened, and then you find out, like, you really think that he's going home. He's not. He's going to go do whatever she said he was going to do. I, I, my, my question, though, later was how the hell would they have planned that how did they know that there was going to be a white spring out of that box and that give him a reason to faux walk away from everything i think and, and
2: maybe maybe the whole time was it was Euron going fuck this i'm not going to talk to you guys and just leave but that gave him a real
4: reason to to leave. Right. i
5: mean i maybe it's just
4: I think worst case, you kind of saw it, even before the white came out, you saw Euron trying to provoke Theon. You try, you saw him, you know, basically, try, and then making fun of Tyrion. So I think they had, they had decided before the meeting, hey, just be your asshole self, and you know, try and cause a ruckus. And worst case, Cersei kicks him out of the meeting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And either way, it's a ploy. You know what I mean? It looks as if Cersei just lost an ally, and really he's going to be back, you know, with reinforcements. So I think that's what they're going for. And, you know, whether whether they had the white or they didn't have the white and Cersei believed them or not, she's still planning down the road and she's thinking I'm going to have to fight them why don't I pretend to remove one of my allies and then in reality I'm getting myself some reinforcements and I can do it right in front of Danny so
5: that's that makes enough sense to where I'll let it slide then yeah and in so,
2: in a season full of of weird odd happenings I, I'm willing to forgive that that one over over everything else but uh <laughs> um yeah, you know, Cersei's always been calculating this season, and um, for her to set that trap up a little bit with with Euron leaving was perfect. I, I liked it. I I knew that part was coming from the outline I'd read the leaked the leaked outline, but it still was nice to see play out on the on the, on the episode.
5: And can I, I I will say before we move on, I, I want to give credit to the show because I took a shit all over this plan the whole time. I still think it was a dumb plan. I I don't think it was necessary, and obviously, as we know, it didn't work. (laughs) But, (laughs) But the scene with the white in front of everybody with the tension and everything, that worked a lot better than I would have given it credit for up front. So that scene was actually really cool and intense and great, and I should not have judged it so harshly based off the
4: description.
2: Well, there's always context. Once you see it play out on the screen, there's always a difference. Uh, Corey Smith, you had a question about the scene.
4: So I guess similar to Don's question about Euron, I it struck me that you know they look like they're reaching an agreement. They look like they kind of have the rough outline, and then obviously John does his big reveal of having bent the knee to Danny. And to me, it kind of struck me that Cersei was overreacting a little bit. That was um, odd to me as well. So, right. So, I guess my question is, do we think that Cersei was looking for an out in that situation? Like, looking for some sort of reason she could blame it? Because it also struck me as odd that she would, you know, she did her whole speech of, well, if Ned Stark's son said, you know, promises me I'll believe him because, you know, he's Ned Stark's son. She fucking hated Ned. So why would she, you know what I mean? So it just kind of struck me as odd, and I guess maybe continuing on her whole little plan with Euron, she was looking for an out, and she was looking for a way to kind of, you know, make it look like she wasn't going to agree, but then she does, but she's secretly not going uh, to agree. I don't know. It
2: I don't know, just, Isis, I'll go to you with that question. Is is Cersei that cunning? I mean, does she have this planned out the, the entire time?
3: Absolutely. fucking Lulley. Yeah, she had this plan the entire time. I, I mean, you would you would have to be dumb. I mean, if anything we have seen from Cersei this season is that she is calculating and she is smart, and I mean she is running circles around these other guys. And I feel like yes, we have to give her the credit where credit is due that she came up with a very several good plans, uh, backup plans. Like she had plan A. B and C. Uh, I don't think she expected the Tyrion dynamic. I I think that came out of completely left field. Uh, She wasn't expecting that. But, you know, the fact with, you know, having the plan with Euron, uh, trying to do the antagonizing thing or whatever, um, you know, kind of... You know, jabbing the finger over at uh, John Snow. I mean, all of those things. I I totally believe that Cersei had this plan from the get-go. And 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 if you don't think she did, you're a fool and haven't been watching the show. Damn.
5: And I I just want so to jump a in yes, to then. Yeah, I think I think that <laughs> okay. she's. I think you guys are 100 percent right that that was Cersei. You know, she knew she didn't want to be a part of it anyway. She already had your on. If you know, based off what you guys described to me, already had your on, ready to walk out to make it seem like she's losing an ally. You know, she, yeah, was looking for an out. And I, I think we need to talk about the Jon Snow part of all that. That um, <laughs> every week of this episode. Uh, Winner is coming Will retweet like one of my tweets, which is apparently more than an obligatory, an obligatory retweet. But, uh, you know, and it's always it's usually, in my opinion, a a good tweet. I wrote it. And and this week, it kind of circled back to something that we've talked about on the show in the past when I've been on about uh, how all of Ned Stark's kids keep making mistakes based off of what they think Ned would have done. Right. based off Ned's reputation and not what Ned actually did, because they don't know about the stuff in his past that he lied about to protect other people, including John true, and Howlin' Reed. True, And his... Ned showed that the real honor was taking that burden of smearing his own good name to protect John and Howlin' Reed, and it even meant his wife looking at him differently for the rest of their life to protect John. This is true. John, in that moment, had a chance to, well, you know, basically lie. And it would have been, to quote Hot Fuzz, for the greater good, in a huge way. <laughs> you and Hot but Fuzz, he,
2: man. Holy shit. But he shit wouldn't, is
5: the best. But he wouldn't do it because in his mind, and from what, not just, because Ned, here's the thing, Ned never, told them, I'm an honorable man, be honorable. It was everybody else saying, you know, your dad is the most honorable man in the Seven Kingdoms. And he never told a lie and the only, in fact, John, the only shitty thing he ever did, the only, was cheat on his, on Cat on with, with whoever your mom is and make you. And that's the only thing he ever did that was bad and he even owned up to that. So, you know, everybody between Rob and and Sansa and everybody thinks like, oh, this is what Dad would have done. He would have, he would have uh, told the truth in this moment. No, he wouldn't have. <laughs> he would have. He would I, not have told the truth in that moment. I, I think that Ned, with with the destruction of the Seven Kingdoms at 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 his back, and his honor in the eyes of Cersei in his front, he would have told a lie.
2: You're talking about and, a you're talking about a guy who literally handed. Cersei the weapon of his own destruction by giving her a chance to leave the capital before he told Robert about them. I don't I, – honestly, man, I think what we're not seeing is the kids growing up off screen watching their father be an honorable guy. They're always talking about the, the one who passes the sentence must swing the sword. That came from Ned. That's one of those honor-bound things that he taught them. He lived his life according to his children. He lived his life an honorable way so he led by example i think that ned probably would have done the same exact thing as 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 john because he didn't okay think about this ned stark rode to the capital after aries targaryen was killed was stabbed in the back by jamie lannister he rode his horse into the the throne room dismounted and made fun of and like Accosted Jaime Lannister. Jaime Lannister, the same person who saved the entire city, because all because he forsook his vow as a Kingsguard, and his the entire time, up until Ned's death, he called Jaime the the Kingslayer.
0: Pump
5: pump the brakes. Did Jaime actually get a chance to explain himself to Ned, or did Ned instantly judge him for his actions?
0: Because From what we, as know, we found it, out
5: N- in, Ned in the instantly back- judged. Exactly. So uh, so Jaime had Jamie gotten the chance to explain himself Ned might not have judged him as but that's all that's all irrelevant because this whole situation in right now with Jon Snow as as Bran pointed out in his voiceover at the end this whole situation is because Starks lie and that they are Liana never told anyone that she didn't get kidnapped she didn't say, oh, I've fallen in love with the married man. Mm. Liana willfully ran away with a married man who had kids and uh, committed, I guess, takes two to tango uh, adultery in that regard. Mm-hmm. Ned did not kill uh, the guy with two swords. Helen Reed technically landed the big blow.
0: Arthur Day. And John
5: is, John is not Ned's son, and Robert's Rebellion was founded on a lie. Right, And, that I mean, they didn't know it was a lie, but it all comes back to, like, the honor-bound Starkian ways all have underneath the surface either a willful or an unknown lie that has founded it, and the kids now have suffered, in my opinion, and made bad decisions based off trying to live up to the surface of what they think their parents were, especially Ned without actually knowing because Ned never would have told them what was underneath that. And had they known those things, they would have acted differently in that scenario. They also probably wouldn't have been in that scenario. I'm I just think it's interesting that that John, the 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 son of Ned Stark, as Cersei said, is like, Oh, I can't tell a lie. Ned would never tell a lie. <laughs> yes, he would. He did. For years he told a lie. So it's it's not that unfathomable to me to think that Ned would have looked Cersei in the eye and said, fine, I'll stand down, whatever, I don't care, and then immediately told Danny after the meeting I, I lied about that. Corey Smith, you've got to
2: chime in here. Corey Smith, I know you've got thoughts.
4: I mean, he's not necessarily – you're you're not wrong. I mean, they do all have the lies, and I mean – I. but, I mean, you think about when you were growing up and what you think about your parents, and they're all – you know, kind of larger than life, and you don't all think fathers that. are gods
5: in the eyes of their children.
4: Yes, to quote, nice. co- you know, the crow or whatever, whatever God, that, that,
5: that was. Was, <laughs> it, was it the crow? That it was.
4: It's in the crow. I don't. I doubt that's where it first came from. But um, anyway, the good crow or the shitty remake. Uh, the, know, good the, the good one. Good one, con. Don't even. Is there a um, good
5: one? Technically, sorry. go no. ahead. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: So I mean and then you you add on to that that everybody everywhere they go talks about how good and honorable Ned was. You know what I mean? So I mean I don't know. It you're not necessarily wrong, but in the sense I I think Ned in that position I don't know that Ned would have wouldn't have done the same thing John did. I I just in the moment, you know, like it. It took him how many days sitting in the dungeon, and you're threatening his children for him to finally give in and say that he was trying to take the throne from Joffrey and tell a lie. Yeah, and I mean he, yeah, he did, he did lie about Jon's parentage. But I mean, he was put in an impossible situation. His dying sister is right there, you know. Asking him to protect her child. Yeah. And, and well, let's John-
5: let's pretend let's pretend that Ned is standing where John is, and that even just John, Sansa, and Arya, and Bran are alive, and knowing the threat that the North poses, does that not sound like a situation just like with you know Liana and John's life and everything? the The type of scenario where he would have lied just to protect his family for nothing else than to to get that truce settled so that they could deal with the white walkers
4: i i mean i get what you're saying and i understand that like logically yes telling the lie would have made perfect sense you tell the lie nothing
2: that stark did was logical
5: about to say you're you're gonna get to the the big fallacy in this argument is that nothing the starks do makes any goddamn sense so it's
4: (laughs) right but i mean it struck me like especially afterwards when when john is explaining his his uh decision and he kind of like breaks the fourth wall and he's like y'all can talk about my dad if you want like we're all thinking but his explanation makes sense you know that if uh, Everybody's lying, and words have no more meaning. And that sounded exactly like something Ned would have said to justify him making a stupid decision like that. Because yeah, it is stupid. You you tell the lie, you make the alliance, and you deal with it later. You know, you save the world, and then afterwards. But that was you know Ned would in that situation. I could see him doing the stupid thing and and telling the truth. Um, because he feels honor bound to always tell the truth, you know, regardless of the consequences. So I, I don't know. I I thought that it was pretty true to Ned, and I mean his. I mean, we'll get into it later in the in the podcast, but I mean his his ghost was all over this episode. It was it was pretty ridiculous. How many times Ned Stark haunted
2: was, this episode? I agree. Yeah, 100%. I mean it
4: was it was he was all over it. So I mean I I don't think we're we're done talking about him, but speaking of I mean,
2: ghost, can I just say it would not kill the episode <laughs> at all to have ghost walk into the dragon pit with John just for one fucking scene? Like, you know what? We got the dragons, we got all the CGI out of the way. The dragons were there for like a second, and then and then the was there at the end. Just throw in ghost just for a second, man. Give us a I little. Need to, drag- I need
4: the- to ask
5: this, Isis. You're you're like me. You're not a you're not a book reader, right? You're showing me. Yeah. Do you give a shit about the wolves that these two do?
3: I'm gonna be honest. No, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't either.
5: I don't give a shit. Like they've just been pets. We've seen some of sporadically throughout the show. I don't care. Like I, I, I like honest... when
3: they actually do something. Like when they yeah. go ahead and chew a motherfucker up. I'm like, yeah, that's right. has then... yeah, got a wolf. Yeah, I mean, and then <laughs> I, I will I will say this. I mean, the the whole Arya and um, Nymeria, and nimeria oh, yeah. I thought that was a, that was really that was a really sweet moment. But it was because of Arya of of you know her telling you know Hey, I understand you, and you understand me." That was cool as shit. But other than that, just having the 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 goat you know having Ghost there would have been just like, okay, well, Ghost is just there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, John has it, a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I forgot <laughs> he has a fucking wolf named Ghost. Yeah. I well Danny forgot. arrived
2: on the fucking dragon and then he left. It is like, okay, Danny's got a dragon.
5: I actually forgot. Our, I, I forgot know. that uh, Sansa had a wolf and that Joffrey had it killed. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, I totally forgot until like this week. Sansa you know, really had, had it's, it's Sansa's fault,
2: that her her wolf died. It's all she Sansa's lied. fault. Yeah. Uh, Speaking
5: of fan service, can we can we go ahead and just jump to Winterfell? Let's do it. Uh, Let's
2: do
4: it. Fuck this podcast. Let's jump right to (laughs) it. We're not even going to talk about Tyrion and Cersei. We'll get back Uh, to it. I just okay. Okay, We'll go. We'll go right back. I just do it.
5: Santa came up. I wanted to say. Speaking of fan service, (laughs) God, I wish Sarah was here. Speaking of fan service. (laughs) Sansa, almost looking directly to the camera and saying, "I'm a slow learner." <laughs> I, was, I was like, <laughs>
4: yeah. no
5: like all camps. No period. Shit. Period. Anyway, let's. So Tyrion and Cersei talked about stuff.
4: Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah.
3: Uh. <laughs> okay. So I I want to add something uh, in this or whatever. Um. I I totally was kind of disappointed that the um the tinfoil hat theory that that Corey Thone had did not come to fruition I was so upset about that I, I really like as soon as you told us about that Arya actually had already killed Littlefinger and took his face like I instantly wanted that I wanted it hard and I wanted it bad about as hard as John. I had. knew I knew it. I <laughs> knew. You anyway, <laughs> so I, I really, really wanted it bad, and then for that not to happen, that all this conversation between, uh, or, or you know, collaboration between Sansa and Arya took place off camera, just so that we we could be surprised. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. It was just I so disappointing. I, I. I have so yeah, many I, 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 saw, I
0: have so yeah, many fucking thoughts. Just
3: been, it could have been so much better. I do feel like it was great that, you know, Sansa said that that she was like, you know, I'm a slow learner. I, I was like, oh, my God, yes. But, but at the end of the day, she came through for her family. Um, and I and I appreciate that that she you know did it in this such an open forum so that way no there's no oh the knights of the Veil vale feel slighted because they killed littlefinger you know in secret or whatever the case may be and they take off and leave no you know they, they killed your mother they killed you know mm-hmm. he killed he did all these things and everything so I'm glad that they did it in public and everything and then of course you know I I, I would like to say that Arya strategically. Cut his throat, and in my thoughts, to use that face later.
5: Oh, actually, no. There's, there's no way she could use his face later because everybody saw him get killed.
3: No, 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 no. She. Everybody saw him get killed up north.
5: Oh, does uh, well, it no, I guess that's a good point. Well,
3: goddamn. Well, goddamn. Uh, doesn't mean that everybody knows that she, he's dead down south.
5: I just, I feel like, and not to pat myself on the back because I'm, I really. I made up that theory kind of half-assedly on the fly on the show, and then later in the week, I read a much more – the same theory, but much more thought-out theory on Reddit. And I was like, okay, I'm not the only jackass that has show been very snob, annoyed. You know
2: what? Show did an article about it. It, got, it was really yeah, popular. Yeah, yeah.
5: Actually, it might have been where I saw it actually now you say that <laughs> is is on show snob. But it could have been – it could have been on Reddit. I really don't remember. I read a lot of Game of Thrones stuff throughout the week, and – I, I, I'm not taking credit for coming up with the theory necessarily, but after having the idea that, like, oh, what if she's she's just testing Sansa with his – and it's like, oh, that makes way more sense about all the shit that we've been seeing because now that it ended the way it did, I have so many questions that will never get answered. Here's my and problem.
2: Just, <laughs> Here's my problem with that whole thing is we watched this bullshit go down at Winterfell since what? Eastwatch? right since that's when the that's when they started hating and it was like okay i hate you well i hate you more you couldn't survive what i survived oh yeah well i can imagine a lot oh look here's a bag of faces oh gross and all that kind of fucking shit like (laughs) like it just went on and on and it was just so like filler
5: filler nonsense once again to bring up another show as comparison i feel like i nailed it this i will pat myself on the back here with the next to last season of the office where pam is flirting with the camera yes, guy absolutely and it's like oh is she gonna fuck the camera guy and leave jim no. really like what is this it's like that's that's what this was is it it already gonna take sansa's face really like it's so dumb and then the thing is you could even still make the claim that oh they were putting on a show For Littlefinger, but that conversation with the faces and shit happened in a in a closed room. Yeah. Unless, unless under the bed, he didn't see it. Which I wouldn't put it past him.
2: I wouldn't put it past that creeper to be under the bed. But here's the thing, man. Like we're just supposed to accept this that Arya and and Sansa were in cahoots the entire time, or for a long time.
5: And then I refuse. I refuse to think that. I'm just gonna go with the even. It's it's sloppier, but it's also way more logical at the same time that they actually were fighting. And then at some point, Bran was like, hey, bitches, listen. So Littlefinger. <laughs> beep up, beep, boop, boop, beep. Because they all, like Sansa and Arya already knew everything Bran was going to say, Bran was going to say in that hall. So at some point, Bran squeakily wheeled over to them while they were staring at each <laughs> other across a breakfast table and told them the truth about what Littlefinger did so they would shut the fuck up. And, and it just – that scene, instead of – as much as I loved his deadpan slapstick holding up a letter that I got from John, uh thing he did to Sam, we could have had much <laughs> – you could have cut some of that and had that little scene of – it's like, dude, for crying out loud, the – I saw an article referred to this as black boxing, which Game of Thrones has been guilty of doing a lot, where a lot of the important things – Happen off screen
0: yeah.
5: conversations. This episode had several big conversations happen off screen.
0: Mm-hmm. Tyrion
5: and Cersei, which we're about to p- pivot back to. It's my fault that we're not talking about it right now. <laughs> but uh, Tyrion and Cersei, whatever Arya, Bran, and Sansa talked about, and then whatever Sansa and Arya also argued about that made them like that made Bran intervene because he doesn't care about this stuff technically. Okay,
2: right? yeah, but you're, if you're if you're giving him that much credit, so this conversation happened off screen, and they're fighting one day, and Bran will's up, and he's like, "Hey, look, uh Littlefinger's a dick. He put a th- uh, this dagger to Dad's throat. Uh, let's go ahead and make up a play and kill him." So they had to go through and structure a very well timed fucking event, like, "Okay, Bran, you're gonna say this on this <laughs> cue, and Arya, not just." Hang on! Not just all that. I just realized
5: that everyone in that room was, was in just on like, it. Yeah, that's why we're here, right? We're gonna get a little f- Oh, oh! while you're making like Arya? Okay, I'm in. Just I'll shut up. You just go ahead. They had to
2: ahead. get invited, and you know, you know, Sansa put out like RSVP invitations to the event. Like, <laughs> like, who's gonna <laughs> come? Are there lemon to- cakes? <laughs> there will be lemon cakes
3: and pedophores.
5: I was told <laughs> they'd be punch and pan. <laughs>
3: punch and pan. They'd be punching <laughs> and pan. And, and let me just say, I, I this is something that I really liked. Um, you know, the fact that Sansa and Arya are still going to have their issues. You know, it's not like they're going to be, after killing uh, Littlefinger, they're not sitting in the room doing each other's nails, you know, I don't know, braiding each other's hair and everything. And everything is fine and there's no problems, okay? I mean, that is just not reality. Just because you and your sibling, who you... Don't necessarily get along with or don't have very much in common. You know, you guys can come together for a reason, for a, an issue and everything, make it right, but doesn't mean that everything is going to be okay. So I'm glad that the show didn't do that. Well, no, I, felt I like- get that.
2: I get that 100%. And I've had... Arguments. I, I'm the oldest of five, and, and one of my brothers and I actually fought for, like, five, six years. We didn't talk. We were, like, estranged. And when we finally started talking again, our text consisted of, fuck you, fuck you. And that was all it was, and I knew, like, I knew that he was okay. Like, okay, he's okay, because he responded, fuck you. And that's how this is basically with Arya and Sansa. Like, fuck you, bitch, fuck you, bitch, okay? that's And you know that they're alive and everything's okay. But what got me was a conversation in the hall. I felt like after... Little finger bled out on the floor. I just wanted Sansa to throw on a top hat and a can and go da 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 da, da and like just
5: stare at the room like we
3: got him. Congratulations. <laughs> well, I well, mean, the I princess
5: can't. is in another castle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, no, I really just felt like you know that was a really good banner moment for her. I felt like that was a, a really great moment for her, especially you know the the another great moment for her was. You know, killing Ramsey, um, and and so here is two season finales in a row where she has shown herself to be a player in this game more so in this episode than you know her killing Ramsey because I really did feel like that was a revenge kill and everything. Um, well, at least she's I, a party planner. We know that she she's an well, event planner. <laughs> she is an event planner, but I I, I just I want to give credit where credits due. I'm glad that that Sansa didn't. You know, she she really listened, obviously, to her brother, listened to Arya, and they all came together, and they did this as a group. So, it was good to
2: see. Corey Smith, you have
4: some thoughts on uh, your favorite character, Sansa, right? Yeah, well, and they might be a, a little bit shocking. Um, I think that Thone touched on it, you know, the setup was was really lazy and sloppy and... At some points, downright stupid. I will say I like how it played out in the scene itself. Like if you took the scene in a vacuum, I I, I enjoyed that scene. I yes. you know if 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 they had kind of revealed that the sisters were working together, obviously some of the dramatic surprise would have been taken away from that scene. Um, but I did like that you know when they st- when she starts running down all his crimes they they nail every single thing like they did yeah. not leave anything out and i really like that because we kind of thought that when little finger did when they did execute him, it was just going to be for trying to get the stark sisters to to fight each other to to for Trying to instigate between Arya and Sansa—that was what was gonna, you know, what he's gonna be executed for. But instead, we got that whole litany of from you know season one, all the things that he had done. And you know, when you start listening to him, you're like, "Well, shit, yeah, this guy really." You know, some of them we even had forgotten. You know what I mean? Like he had done so many shitty things. So yeah. I liked how how that scene played out. I will say afterwards, I did like. Sansa in that scene I like how she yeah I know shocking I liked how she how she you know she even admitted afterwards she really did believe that Littlefinger loved her you know what I mean and yet she was still willing to execute him for the crimes he had committed against her family and against her obviously and so to me that was you know, she got some respect for me because she wasn't just like, oh, well, this guy loves me, and so I can't kill him. You the know? real question
2: here is, Corey Smith, um, are you going to start respecting Sansa
4: more now going forward? I mean, I, I do have to give her a little bit of respect. I mean, like she said, she, you know, a, a big thing is recognizing your own weaknesses, and I know it was kind of a fourth wall break when she was like, I am a slow learner, but she at least, is kind of recognizing that in herself and she doesn't necessarily catch on as quickly, but she does eventually catch on. And so, I mean, I'll give her some respect for that. I thought that, you know, she handled it well. She handled it in an adult manner because in the past, you know, she wanted attention. She wanted affection. She wanted people to love her and she wanted to kind of play that game. and and yet she was still willing to, to execute little finger. So, I would have preferred, I think we talked about this a while back, I would have preferred, and it would have been completely out of character for Sansa, but I would have preferred her to kill Littlefinger herself. Yeah. As opposed, like, if she had done that, you know, then her her stock would have skyrocketed in my book, because then she really would have been following, you know, her father's teachings. So... I liked it. I, I again though it was sloppy. The setup was sloppy. How how we got there was was messy. Um, but I did ultimately like the you know the destination, not necessarily the journey. Well, I pick- think
5: there was two scenes in this episode too that were that that were in a vacuum, like you say, were really good. You just kind of had to forget that to get to that scene. Right. It took a lot of Stupidity. just sill- silliness. You know, yeah. with Sans and Arya, and with. The white wrangling north of right. the wall, and getting on the Dayx Rockina, and waiting on the Dayx <laughs> Drogon, and everything. Right. I mean, just you know, like lots of, lots yeah. of things, lots of silly things to lead to a a really badass like fight scene with them and the dragons, and then be a, a badass scene in the dragon pit, and I think that that kind of highlights the issues with this episode with the season was that the build up to all the moments wasn't as good but the moments which i feel like guys might come more from martin than we realize
0: yeah
5: uh the the moments that we're building to that he told them about maybe are still really cool because of that but the the way the road to get there is different
4: the payoff is great well, and they don't have yeah. the blue—they don't have the the blueprint anymore.
5: Yeah, they're they're just know? making it up as they go, and it's—I yeah. mean, that's they've not what they the signed up notes. for.
4: Yeah, they've got the cliff notes, and they don't have the details, and I think that that's where probably some of the problems lie is that they're kind of filling in the gaps and you know doing their best. But let's yeah. go
2: back. Let's go back to King's Landing and Tyrion and uh, Cersei's conversation. Uh, Tyrion wasn't the only person to challenge Cersei to have the mountain kill him. Twice this episode a brother of hers dared her to have the mountain kill him and twice she didn't do it. So, um maybe and we'll talk we can talk about this later, but maybe Cersei isn't as hateful and spiteful as we all think she is. Maybe she is. I don't know. But uh, the conversation between Tyrion and Cersei was amazing because, first of all, Peter Dinklage absolutely sold that sold that scene with the, his facial expressions about the children dying. And then when he realizes the mountain isn't going to kill him, he instantly goes for the drink. That was some great scene. And uh, Isis, I'm going to go to you. Your boy Tyrion held it down and solidified what he thought was an alliance.
3: Yeah, I um, I was very interested to. I, I, I'm going to say right now, him deciding to go in to talk to Cersei was I felt like a huge, I, bad idea. Um, I really, I mean, I even tweeted it. I was like, "You idiot! Please don't go in there. You're going to get yourself." Killed. <laughs> like he was saying to Jamie,
2: like he was saying to Jamie when he was charging Drogon, "You fucking idiot."
3: Yes, that's exactly what I said, you fucking idiot, uh, in my tweet. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Why are you sacrificing yourself, you know, at this point, you're you know, you're worth more alive than you are dead, blah blah blah, but obviously he felt like he And and this is the thing is that Cersei has basically Cersei and Jamie have basically kind of outmaneuvered him this entire season. So what made him think that he was going to be able to confront Cersei and and handle the situation? Now, so apparently he did. Uh, now, we don't see how you know, where Tyrion and Cersei leave off or what the rest of their conversation is. But um, Tyrion is definitely doing some heavy-duty groveling here, okay? Um, Some groveling to the likes that we have never seen before, um, especially to his sister, who I really, really feel like he really genuinely hates. Um, But I felt like, you know, there was... He definitely hit a chord and he knew where her soft spots were, okay? Uh, There's definitely some hard ones, but he knew where her soft uh, spots were. And those are going to be her kids and, and, you know, the kids that she has lost. And I think he definitely exploited that in his conversation and he was banking on that to maybe get an edge in on their uh, wise, I think it was completely unexpected when he realized that his sister is pregnant, who uh, apparently, you know, now Cersei doesn't drink. And so, um, you know, because she's prego. So, <sighs> I, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, OK. Did they that's, really care about that cool. shit
2: back then? Like, that wasn't a thing back then. They still I, drink.
3: I, I think it was just something that he would notice okay. you know it was like oh okay, she, she, she was,
2: patted he, her belly while she was talking about she the did
3: but i mean you know it was like one of those things he put two and two together and he was like oh look at this she's not drinking oh look at this you know okay. she's patting her stomach so okay. um, so i think it was more for us because i think a lot uh times of this season that game of thrones basically feels like they need to explain shit to us like oh Dragons breathe fire, or <laughs> if you kill one of them, they all die. I mean, it, it, like, seriously, this has been an ongoing problem this season. Um, but I was talking to a friend of mine, and and this is going to kind of delve into a couple of things here. Uh, me, personally, I really didn't think a whole lot about it. I was just happy to see Tyrion when he walked out. Didn't think much about it, and then Cersei comes out and says, Hey, you know, I'm going to tell my Bannermen, blah, 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 we're going to support you, all this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't think much about it, but I was talking to my friend Gus, um, and, and he has a, a pretty wonderful theory that uh, that I want to kind of swing by you guys and see what you think. Not really. I don't want to. I, I really don't care about what Corey Smith thinks. But,
4: uh, <laughs> Wait, what?
3: <laughs> you heard us. <laughs> so, anyway, because I'm sure he'll, he'll poo-poo on it, and he'll sigh, and he'll... Uh, like that, or whatever.
5: And so he anyway, won't retweet
3: us. And he won't God retweet dang. us. God damn it. <laughs> um, so this is, the, this is the thing my friend um, Gus had said. He goes, you know, he really felt that something between Cersei and um, Tyrion happened. Because when he walks out, he's like looking at the ground. And he looks almost ashamed of himself you know and he goes and I didn't put it together until we get hashtag boat sex and Tyrion is kind of looking pretty pretty sad I thought that Tyrion was just sad because like he thought he had a chance with Danny he goes no he goes this is a complication he looked at this like a complication so I asked my friend I was like well what do you mean a complication he goes Jamie and T- and Cersei were talking after that whole situation happened and she stated that her child would rule. Mm. And he goes, "So, did Tyrion make a deal with Cersei and tell her that you know that Danny is barren, she can't have children and then promise to make Cersei's child the heir Holy to the shit. throne?" And if she did make it, and if he did make that deal, not only did he leak information about Danny to the enemy to Cersei, um, is da- now you have Tyrion working on the behalf of Cersei to get her child to become the heir, mm. and that causes a that puts. Freaking uh, Tyrion in, a, in a, a, a precarious situation now. Tyrion does not know that his sister has no, you know, chance, and that she's sending her army up there. Uh, he'll probably find that out when Jamie meets up with them, hopefully in King's and La- uh, sorry, uh, in Winterfell, if he's going up there um, to help out. Uh-huh. But I mean, I think that Tyrion is really worried because now he has not only betrayed his, the, you know, the two people that. I mean he's quite fond of John and Danny, but now he is in cahoots with his crazy sister who has now actually turned her back on him because I, he thought he was bartering for this, this you know peace, and in all, in all actuality she she was never going to – she wasn't going to support it. I don't hate this theory. Let me tell you why. Here's why I don't hate it. Uh,
2: number one, all season long, the show has basically land-blasted us with – Tyrion still wants to be part of his family. Tyrion uh, was outmaneuvered by his family, and Danny accuses him of being on the side of his family several times, right? And he even says, yes, I take the side of my family because you you take the side of your enemy. He even said that last episode. And um, he obviously still loves his brother very much. And his talk with Cersei, he said... Uh, the children really got me. Like he, he's, he was really upset. He loved her children, and if she's pregnant with another Jamie Cersei baby, he's going to love that child as well. And maybe because I didn't understand why he was creeping in the hallway, like I was like, "Come on, Tyrion, you're better than that, dude. Don't 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 be all creepy and stare at him, go in the room together and shit." But it makes more sense to me now if I'm going along with this theory that he's upset. That the, that that epic boat sex boat sex happened, then now than anything because that means that if Danny does have a baby, because let's just all be honest, Miriam door is not a licensed OB GYN. Um, she just made a prophecy about Danny's uh, JJ and she, you know, Danny believed her. But she, Danny totally could probably have kids. They put that in our face all season long as well. With Jorah saying, your children will use this sword. Um, Danny's dra- Danny Danny's saying the dragons were her children. The dragon died. Uh, and then her telling Jon she couldn't have children. Blah, 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 blah. I think you're right. I think your friend Gus, Gus, if you're listening, I think you're absolutely right. I think you've hit the nail on the head. And if Tyrion has turned... I don't think he's turned fully on Danny, but if he is spying, to if he is conspiring, he's if he's conspiring yeah. to put a Lannister baby on the throne
3: after Daenerys, and she finds out about it,
2: it's over. Cut it. It's a wrap.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think even at this point, if Tyrion told Varies of his plan, Varies is like, oh fuck this shit, I'm out. I, yeah. I mean I don't want to have no part of this but I feel like you know Tyrion is also doing it in in part because he he holds a lot of guilt uh not because of Joffrey because fuck that motherfucker but I feel like because of his niece and his nephew um them dying now granted Cersei holds a lot more responsibility for their deaths um than anybody else Marcella and-
2: Marcella was imprisoned because of Tyrion so
3: well, he was, but, I mean, the fact that the way everything happened with Oberyn and everything, um, you know, I think that that was had a lot to do with it. And then, you know, of course, the Sand Snakes were take, retaliating, uh, basically. But, again, I feel like he doesn't – I feel like Tyrion may not know a, a lot of the intricacies of all these things that happen. I mean, let's be honest, you know, s- sweet Tommen, he – took a swan dive because his mom is fucking nuts and killed his wife uh-huh. and you know i mean just multiple killed all these people and everything and um so but i think that Tyrion doesn't know that and he feels like he, this is his way of being able to make up for that is by saying hey you know what i i can ensure that your child becomes the heir to the throne after danny Corey's
2: two corys any any
3: thoughts on this theory
4: uh, I have a, I have a few. Okay. Um, I just it's uh, it's not the worst theory in the world. I, I I see some of the logic in it, but I sometimes you know we overcomplicate things and we we as Game of Thrones fans try and invent stuff that's not there, and sometimes it's just the easiest answer is, is the right one and I think that Tyrion saw them getting together and he does view it as a complication um, but not to the grand level that that he's spying for, for Cersei um, I think that he just sees it as a complication that they're falling in love and that they're going to be closer than probably just allies and what does that do um, you know, they talk about Danny not being able to have kids and, and all that stuff, and I think Dario kind of proved that she probably couldn't under normally under normal circumstances, and I think that John is going to be some sort of special circumstance.
3: <laughs> well, uh, this is the thing. There, there, there's a thing with that, and I'm going to tell you this: if I am Tyrion, and I see Jon going with Danny in the bedroom, I'm like fucking fist bumping. And you know why? Because I know that I can talk to Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. I know that me and Jon Snow are on the second fucking same wavelength about yeah. things, about killing, about doing these, you know, using the dragons and all these things. Jon Snow and... Freaking Tyrion are on the same wavelength than Tyrion and Danny, so I would be thinking this is perfect. I can go ahead and use Jon Snow to go ahead and get Danny to do what I want via Jon so- Snow's dick.
4: Yeah, so that's but- what I'm thinking.
3: Okay, <laughs> but no, also, also you're forgetting. But the, it you're- okay,
4: but the fl- the flip side of that is is that Jon loses his logic and his reasoning because now he's in love with Danny. He's not an ally. Of Danny. I, I so, think you're that, also
2: forgetting I, one thing. The reason Dario never came across an Arrow Sea is because Tyrion told her she would need to marry a great lord to unite the houses of Westeros. And what better great lord than the King of the
4: North? Yeah, uh, he's a suitable partner for Danny. I just think And not that- only
3: that, but the episode before that, he was all pro-team Jon Snow was like, I see the way he looks at you. I see, g- girl, they were doing like girl talk in the freaking throne room, and he's like, girl, you see the way he looks at you? You know it. He like you. Come on. I mean, he was all about it right up until Cersei. Right up until Cersei, he was about that life. He was, he was shipping it hard. So maybe he wasn't I mean, sad.
2: Maybe he was just giving a thoughtful Tyrion look. Like maybe he was just thinking, like, "I wonder what it's like to go in there and, and bump uglies with Danny." That's
3: probably what he was thinking. Well, it ha- he he has quite ha- has had quite the dry spell.
2: That's right. He hasn't had many uh, Westerosi horrors lately. Um, what about
3: let's, you, Cory Thone? I want I want to know about Cory Thorne. Well, what I'm going
2: to ask Cory Thorne this since we're right here. What What do you think about boat sex? Was it good? Was it was it as built?
5: No, like it, it really wasn't, it was really short. And if I, yeah, I was too many jokes in my brain about the short amount of time that they were having sex, <laughs> but it's, I just, uh, the boat of sex, it was fine. I mean, it, it serves its purpose narratively, but I, I feel like. Vis- Viseron, is that how you say the dragon? Viserion. The di- Viserion. Viserion. I feel like Viserion died for this, and they should bang better. I think it was just.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell you why that that. Sex was absolutely beautiful. Okay, and I'm going to tell you why it was super creepy. She's going to get um, really
2: graphic here, guys. So be I, ready. I,
3: I am, so be prepared. Um, it was really, really icky because we had Brand narrating this <laughs> sex scene. Um, granted, it was talking about John's mom and dad and everything, and so we, and we got a wedding out of it. So, like, yay, we got a wedding! And then it pans over to you know naked John. And his booty and and naked um, <laughs> Danny, and they're talking about how they're related, and and we're watching them like freaking going at it, and I'm like, this is really uncomfortable, but I'm going to continue watching. And what what really struck me, and and if it might help you, if you just put it on mute uh, and not listen to Brand's voice, <laughs> he's sober. Wait a second, and,
2: like put some soft music on, get a glass yeah, of wine. Yeah.
3: Something. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I have no idea. So, you know, put some music on, some soft 80s music. I Get don't your know. favorite toy
2: out of the drawer.
3: Oh, my God. I didn't go that far. Okay. So, so, but this is what I felt. It was very emotional. It was very short, but I felt like it was very emotional. Like, you could feel like the intensity the the like at one point and and I don't know if it's just the actor was cold or it was just the emotions or whatever but like he literally shivered you know how you like have this anxiety of like doing it with the first time with somebody whatever you like shivery and stuff and that's what you saw and you're like holy shit this is intimate as hell and um and that I I didn't notice the shiver are you serious okay Okay, look, I may have watched that scene more times than I care to admit. <laughs> not this, and, and just I'm going to put the caveat is that it's not because of the incest. <laughs> i just put the caveat there. I'm glad you <laughs> cleared that part up. I just want to clear it up for people. But, I, I mean, you know, this is something that we've been waiting for for years now and everything, and it finally happened. Um, but I feel like overall, I thought it was a great scene. Um, I just want to say, hey, big ups to lunges and squats, uh, for Jon Snow, because um, you can bounce a quarter off that booty, and um, and so thank you very much. But I, 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 I didn't, I didn't hate it like other people, and I didn't get caught up in the fact that they're aunt and nephew because I already know that I've known that for. I don't like, even
2: care that they're and, related anymore. I don't. I don't yeah, give a shit. Uh,
3: I think. I think though. Once John finds out, because I feel like Bran is going to be like, when they get to Winterfell, he's going to like be like, "Look, that's your aunt, that's your nephew." No, he's your not. Mom's dad. He's
2: going to be sitting in a room, staring at the fire. John's going to walk gonna in. And he's going to be like, he's, "Beep up, beep up, aunt, beep up, nephew, beep, beep, beep." I thought exactly,
3: be. exactly. He's going to like just fucking throw this bomb. You know, in the middle John, of this
2: situation. John, you looked really beautiful when you were having sex with your aunt.
3: Yes, yeah, like something real creepy like that. Uh, but I feel like that Danny will probably, she will have a problem with it, but not because that's her nephew, but the fact that he is the heir to the throne. His John, claim is
2: now stronger.
3: And I feel like John is going to have a problem because he was raised in the north, that he's going to have a problem with the fact that it's his aunt. I mean, he can he could tell her, hey, you know, I don't want – I didn't even want to be king of the north, you know, but they made me king of the north, and, and it is what it is. And I doubt he wants to be the freaking king um, of all seven kingdoms. So, you know what I mean? Corey, but Smith, I this, yeah, Corey Smith, can you even can imagine – Can yes.
5: I jump in, actually, before – instead of Smith? Yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I just – I want to talk about the baby thing a little bit more. I – Or Tyrion, why he was skulking around the boat. I think that they intentionally left that... Obviously, they intentionally left that vague. But it's even more vague because... uh, A, because the conversation happened off-screen. B, because people like myself think it's a fake baby. It's not real. Uh, (laughs) I'm still not... Until she has a bump and I see a bump tummy and not a shirt with a pillow under it, (laughs) I am... Just straight up not buying the pregnancy. Uh, let's see. C C. I I think that uh, I I just don't think that, that Tyrion would sell out Danny like that. Mm-hmm. I think that he has really doubled down on Danny alliteration fun. And then <laughs> lastly, A B C D E or D, whichever letter I'm at. D for uh, Dick. D for Danny. There's just the, the whole problem with um hell I forgot what it was. Now it's so many problems that scene that it's like, oh Cersei's the, the, the truce so let's say that Tyrion made a truce with Cersei, right? Like, oh I will uh you know, whenever the war is over, we'll make sure that you, that your child, my nephew or niece, will be on the throne or a big part of it or whatever. In in three days, Max, whenever they're waiting on the Lannister troops to show up, <laughs> they're gonna know that she didn't live up to her truce. When Jamie shows up and's like, Sorry guys but that's, like, but
3: that's the thing, is that she doesn't she never expected Jamie to leave. She expected that Jamie was gonna stay the I mean, entire that's, time. That's
5: true, but do you think that Jamie because I have I have people say you know, Jaime is the general, so maybe the troops will follow him, even though Cersei's the queen. I don't know. They didn't really show that. But regardless, if if the troops don't show up, then they know that Cersei changed her mind just to get them out of King's Landing. So then whatever deal that Tyrion made with her is now null and void. So it's just – there's a lot of – again, it's it's a scene that leaves a lot ambiguously there. And and, and the, the theory you're talking about, uh, Isis, is, has as much validity as anything else because we literally know nothing about what happened. And at least if it is what you said, that certainly muddies the waters with Tyrion yeah. in a big way, big way. That would be a big turn for a character that has pretty much stayed on the straight and narrow in terms of moralistic stuff. Pretty much the whole show, actually. Like, I mean, aside from killing his dad, which I think we all agree he had some his, justification and, and for. And his girlfriend. No, that was his girlfriend when they broke up. It was just straight up murder. <laughs> it wasn't domestic assault. But, um, yeah, I. It's better than. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. So it's like, she. Here, listen, here's the thing. If you can't get away from a dwarf choking you with a chain that is sitting on the ground, then you probably don't deserve to live anyway. The species just got stronger. But it's – seriously, the like, has stayed pretty much on the audience's moral good side for the majority of his arc on yeah. the show. So him taking a left turn on, you know – Lannister Avenue like that would be a a big deal so there's just a lot I have a lot of problems with that theory Isis but also at least it's a freaking theory and it has like some I mean it's not like that doesn't have merit or, or things in the show that would hint to that. Like there's stuff in it that makes sense. I don't even know what the hell he was doing. He might have just been listening to them bang and been like, "Wish I was banging Danny," and like <laughs> slunk away. He had like a sad boner and he, like try- that. he
2: was trying to polish yeah. one out while he was listening.
5: I can hear that. Yeah, I'm gonna go talk to. I'm gonna go talk to Jor. He knows what it's like to listen to Danny <laughs> Bang. <laughs> oh.
2: I just want to say well, this. For- I just, I just want to say this. I'm really speaking of friend zone and, and other things. I'm really upset that Bron didn't join Jamie out on the, on the King's Road on his, on his exit through King's Landing. Like, I really thought Bron was Jamie's ride-or-die, and dude was nowhere to be found after he took Pod for a drink. My wife actually said, um, is Pod dead? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I don't know, sweetheart. She goes, Bron took him for a drink, and he never came back. So I don't know okay. what's going on.
5: No, there's actually there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a scene next season where there's there's just these whispers of oh, all the all the horrors and all the brothels are so tired they, they can't work. What happened? And then What's you see that? Pod like standing Batman on top of the bridge style in dark night like they've been potted, and he like jumps <laughs> down and coasts onto I want to see that Bo. so
0: bad. They've been potted, yes. <laughs> yes,
5: and then bronze down there, like up in the sky. It's a bird. It's playing. It's Podrick Payne And, and his
2: magic cock.
5: Exactly. Anyway, sorry. That was very stupid, but also, uh, I feel like we needed the levity. We need the levity. Here <laughs> Let's talk the
2: about um, the final scene really quick. We've we've gone so long already talking about all the exposition throughout the episode, and we can we. We're gonna be back next week to recap the entire season, so we'll probably think of more things to talk about. Well let's talk about Tormund, Giant Spain and his um is he dead, is he not? But let's talk about how fucking fast Viserion flew towards the wall. Like we've seen the dragons attack things before and they always kinda of seemed to float on the wind. Viserion was like a fucking jet like a fucking tomahawk just fucking right towards the goddamn wall uh and that blue flame was pretty badass, Corey Smith, how did you feel when you watched that episode you got the uh, you got the dead stopping at a certain point, proving that brand didn't break the magical barrier and then and then all of a sudden uh speed of sound Viserion comes in and wrecks shit,
4: yeah, that was um. I don't know. <laughs> I, I leaned, I leaned two ways on this. And I, he was I sleeping. Wasn't he guys? He I was, know, sleeping I, well. I was I'm, I'm trying to decide which way I ultimately I lean. And uh, uh, this was kind of the opposite of some of the other scenes on its surface. When you watch it, it's, it's pretty freaking awesome. You know, you see the dragon come in, you see the giants. Then, I mean, and the way he takes down the wall is pretty damn stunning. You know, he's, he's just burning the shit out of it. And he, causes the collapse and then a huge chunk of it um just comes down but then on the flip side it's like all they needed was basically something big enough to take down the wall and it seems like they could have figured something out in the past 1000 years you know <laughs> what i mean yeah. I, I i don't know like that's it- <laughs> what the chains were for yeah, but I mean, they—I mean, you saw the army. You know, the army was much, much larger than what we had seen throughout season seven.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: It was mm-hmm. massive, and you just got to think, okay, if it was just—if it was just they needed something to take to break a hole in the wall. I just feel like they could have figured that out some other way. And I mean, maybe they're—they're they're implying that Viserion's. Uh, dragon fire was somehow magical and that could break the the seals that, that the wall had in some way. I I, I mean, I don't know, but, and if you do go that route, I will say that it does make sense, you know, like last, last week when we saw them not kill John and they didn't cross the frozen lake when they kind of do know how to swim because at least some of them went to the bottom to attach the chains. Um, you know, it does lend credence to the fact that God, the night I didn't even
5: think about that shit. They yeah. literally said in this episode they can't swim. <laughs> we know they can swim. Right. They can scuba dive because yeah, they, they can- went down and they tied chains around a giant fucking dragon.
0: God damn it! Right? They performed a complicated <laughs> you just ruined
4: everything for phone. Sorry, buddy. They, they <laughs> performed like a complicated underwater sea dive rescue, you know, salvage operation. So yes, they can swim. Salvage <laughs> job, yeah, that's, that's so. it was a salvage operation. They went down, they pulled something up off the bottom of the lake um but so I mean, but if you do think about that they that means the night king was waiting for Danny to come because that was the one thing he needed was a dragon that could take down the wall and not because of its physical you know because its physical attributes but because it had some sort of magical effect on the wall via its. Ice fire. Well, yeah, because we
2: were we were straight up told by Uncle Benjen last season there are spells woven into the wall where the dead can't get past.
4: Right. So So, it it seems like he was waiting for that means, but then that means he's been waiting this entire time. He's been waiting for the dragons to hatch. He's been waiting for Danny to get her ass over to Westeros, like we all were for six seasons, and (laughs) and then he was waiting for Danny to show up and rescue Jon. I laughed
2: so hard last night. Cory Thone, whenever uh, Tyrion and Theon and, and show up on the ships, Daenerys' fleet is like three ships now. And I was
0: like, yeah.
2: Cory Thone is probably flipping his shit because all he wanted her to have was a goddamn armada to sail across the sea, and she has three left!
5: Yeah, <laughs> there I, there is a lot, and you just poked even more holes, Smith, into everything, but uh, again, on the surface... This scene was really cool to look at, except, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Night King, like, bouncing on the back of that dragon while it was ice looked really fake. But, I, I mean, I also, like, I'm not the kind of guy to nitpick CGI either. Like, I understand how complicated it is and how limited they are in a lot of their budget stuff, so I'm not going to be a dick. I do think the dragon flying around that fast was not intentional. I don't think that the dragon is faster now that it's an ice zombie. I think that it is much more the same case with you. Remember when they killed uh, Rickon's uh, dog or wolf? Shaggy dog. And and, sh- and everybody was like, "Oh, that wasn't really Shaggy dog because the head was too small." And then the director's like, mm, "That's just kind of what we had lying around." They were just like, "Yeah, speed the dragon up. Fuck it, that's cool, right?" And like, we gotta, <laughs> I gotta wrap this up. Let's get him going. So, like, I feel like the, that scene was. Was really interesting. It wasn't how I expected the wall to go down. I I will not be surprised if that's not how it happens in the books, just because it seems so damn fast, like just so quick and I, and and everything. But I um I liked the scene, but once again, the way that it got there with a White Walker, you know. <laughs> What, what recovery op <laughs> jumping out of helicopters into the water, you know, to to go scuba diving for a dragon. It's just uh, so it's just don't think about it. And that's 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 the biggest problem with this season was and we even had directors of episodes telling us that shit like don't think about it too much. No, asshole. The reason this show is so awesome is because you could think about it a lot and it still made a lot of sense. <laughs> Like yes. the, this season was sloppy and that the final scene is a great example. And once again, my least favorite thing in the world is when if Tormund and Barrick are dead and that this is why I don't think they're dead is because it was so unceremonial for heroes. Yeah, like it, it's it's just it's so cliche to me to have two guys that, like, well, they're expendable enough to where they could die and the show would move on just fine, but everybody really likes it, especially Torment, so we'll put them in danger and then close out the season. You didn't have to do that, man. The the wall coming down was plenty drama for us. We didn't need Tormund and Bar- because, cause if <sighs> Barrick literally said do you really think that the the Lord of Light brought you back so you could die on a rock on a frozen lake? It's like, you, did he bring you back six times so you could fall down an ice wall? Is that really <laughs> what we're going to do? So I, I just I have a lot of problems with that. Con, like, if you really wanted to make... And, and again, how many times has Tormund almost died? I mean, shit, in the next in two episodes ago, he was screaming for help being dragged to a watery grave.
0: Mm-hmm. Like and it
5: wasn't the first time he's almost died. Like like came very close to dying. Like at the battle, of the some whites
4: that were swimming. By the way, yeah,
5: whites that were swimming exactly. Or were they? <laughs> see, were they just jumping off of the ground and coming up? And maybe that lake's not as deep as we think. So I don't know, but they, <laughs> yeah, I, I we've seen him almost die. And then if you're just gonna kill him off screen, this isn't Stannis, okay? This isn't an, an off character death that, and Stannis is being off 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 uh, screen was bullshit too. But at least he was a bad guy by the end. Yeah. As much as his claim had validity to it, we had all, along with about half his men, like abandoned Stannis and Manis wagon. Nobody's abandoning Torment or Barrack. So, like that, just I really felt like that was kind of whatever the opposite of fan service is, where he's just being a dick. Like you had to do that. I and, honestly, and, and honestly stopped. If Torment and Barrack are dead, like here's the thing: I've walked away from shows for doing shit like that oh, I'm not God. walking away from Thrones because we are seven. there's only one season left I'm in it, I'm in it. But uh, you'll hate watching at this
2: point
5: yeah I will, I, I've done that too Sons of Anarchy, I'm <laughs> muscled through and by the way, Sons of Anarchy finishing their final season with a bunch of 90 minute episodes sounds very similar to what Game of Thrones oh, is doing with these 80 minute episodes and I'm, I'm not it. on board with it, if you can't do it in 60 <laughs> minutes for the majority of time they just add fucking episodes because these extended episodes get really dangerous. Anyway, I'm I'm getting out yeah. Because pretty box.
2: soon you'll have Jon Snow killing killing his mother. She'll be alive, and he will find her in the garden
5: and kill her. John, John will he'll get on a dragon and he'll ride it into the face of another dragon, <laughs> just like Ned died. It's like, what? <laughs> Sorry. I'm...
2: Oh my God! So many sons of anarchy. Okay. Uh. So let's close this episode out by talking about. Uh, I stopped the episode, rewound it. Rewatched it, freeze-framed it, downloaded the video on my computer the, the, of that scene, dissected every JPEG looking for, for Tormund and Beric walking in the Army of the Dead. And I didn't see him because I thought – before the season started, I thought that the way they would end this season is that the, the Army of the Dead would go through Castle Black because Bran broke the magical barrier by letting – he was the key to let the Night King in. And we would see Ed rise up and walk as a, as, a, as a white, and everybody would be like, oh no, oh Ed, and that would be the end, right? Well, I stopped it, rewound it, and I still never could fucking talk. I could never fucking find him. So I think Tormund and Beric are alive. But before we wrap this all up, Beyond Greyjoy had a nice redemption moment on the beach at Dragonstone as he goes to, to get the Ironborn the dickheads from Asshole Island uh, to go save Yara. Isis, I know you. we talked about Beyond's PTSD before. It seems like uh, he's back.
3: Well, I really think that he wanted to come back and it was his conversation with Jon Snow that uh, which I thought was very funny because Jon Snow is not much for words Uh, but he was very he gave some really great words of of the fact that hey you and I are are the same thing you know um, our dad is Ned Stark you know the the ideals and and the things that he has taught us um, you know we have that in ourselves and I really Felt like that really kind of gave him the the power the the you know I, I don't know what else to say but I mean it just really gave him the 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 gusto to say okay you know what I need to go and get Arya uh, Arya Yara I need to get Arya and and Yarya. I, I Arya Yara I know uh, it's been, <laughs> I'm on my second vodka uh it's, you know and so I felt like it was a really great moment for Theon it really puts him in the path of you know, some more redemption. Um, I thought it was going to come a lot sooner. I thought maybe when, you know, Euron was there, that was going to, maybe that was going to happen that, you know, Theon was going to be going through King's Landing, looking for his sister. That's what I was hoping for, but we didn't get that. So I like the fact that he is now starting to kind of claim ownership of, of his life and his path and the, and stop letting things just happen to him and being more, assertive and powerful and that that really started of course you know going to the beach and confronting Yara's men because that's that is those guys work for Yara and um and really kind of saying you know what I'm not going to be pushed around anymore I'm going to go ahead and confront this head on and he really did that now I'm not going to lie my favorite part of course is when the guy tries to kick him in the nuts and Tyrion is just I mean Tyrion uh Theon is just kind of looking at him like yeah, that's not going to
0: do anything. He did
3: it three uh, times. Like, come on, dude. I mean, I I don't have a penis or balls, but what? I have to what? still think I, I don't. But I still have to think that even if you didn't have those appendages there, that if a man kicks you there three times, it's going to fucking hurt. Like, it was re- really comedic, and I laughed out loud. When I, I mean, I literally laughed out loud, and my husband was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and uh, but I I. I thought it was really one of those kind of slapstick, you know, kind of comedic moments.
2: Uh, Corey Smith, final thoughts on the episode?
4: Um, well, I mean, sort of touching on this scene, one of my, uh, well, it was one of my favorite scenes of the night. I liked the, the parallels they drew between John and Theon. I mean, uh, George R. R. Martin's always talked about how uh, Theon and John are essentially the same character. They were both raised by Ned Stark, but they were both outsiders. Um, obviously, John was a bastard. Theon was a ward. Um, so I like the the parallels there because they said um, Martin said that Theon has always wanted to be John, and we kind of saw that in that scene where Theon is kind of talking about how John always knew what was right and did it, and Theon knew what was right but didn't always do it and paid the consequences for it. So. Um anyways on to final thoughts of the whole of the whole episode uh, like i said at the beginning i think it was a, it was a, more of a return to form to kind of the classic episodes that we kind of fell in love with with the show I, I think we've all kind of touched on we're not i mean like moments like the dragon bringing down the wall are are cool and they're fun but that's not why we watch the show um you know battle of the bastards isn't is an incredible battle, but that's not why we the watch bastards. the show. Uh, bastards, yes. Um, you know, Hard Home. All the battles, like they're 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 fun to watch and they're stunning to see on a TV show. But we don't watch the show for those moments. You know, all the women that watch the show. My wife doesn't watch the show for Hard Home. You know, all the women that watch the show. And I think Game of Thrones has an incredibly huge. Uh, female fan base which on the surface is kind of odd for a show about dragons and you know boobs and shit you know but they watch it for that drama and we're in I'm the same way we watch for the drama we watch for the character relationships and I think this episode gave us more of that than we had had previously um, in season 7 and so that's why I think I I agree with Thona it was the best episode of the season
2: Corey Thone, you already said it was the best episode of the season. Do well, you have any final thoughts?
5: Yeah, I think the show should listen to us and <laughs> fall back on the fact that they have, at their disposal, one of, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable putting it in the top five, best full ensemble casts of all time. <clears throat> yeah. And that these these people, I mean, I'm going back into, like, MASH days. like and, and that these these actors on this show are, a lot of them are veterans. They are multiple award-winning actors that know these characters and know how not just, like, look at Cersei's facial expressions in the pit uh-huh. and and in the scene with, with Tyrion. Not her words, just her body. Like, the way, it's the reason that she gets so, that Lena gets so much credit for this character is because the, the way that she brings her to life like that. Uh-huh. And you can really fall on these guys. This episode had the most and the best dialogue of the season. And that's what made game of Thrones for six seasons, even in season five, which ended with a fucking Thelma and Louise off a wall made, uh, this show so good. Don't go away from that. You know, and I I think I actually said this last week week before, but I want to bring it up again. One of my favorite teachers of all time. She taught me in high school and in college, uh, and she she said that history is not uh, a story of battles history is the story of fallouts of uh, or the fallouts from battles the results of battles the things that lead up to the battle the things that happen after the war those are the things that are important the right. great war against the night king that is important and we need to see that and i'm looking forward to it but the build up to it needs to be handled with the same respect that you gave to Making the battle look so badass, and I feel like this season suffered from a being the next to last season, having to get all the chess pieces in the right place, and kind of sacrificing traditional moves to get there. But also, I just think that they kind of wanted to speed the shit up, and yeah. and and don't do that. Don't don't force crap. Make it nobody cares about. Nice.
2: Nobody cares. Com, nobody cares about Confederate. Just go ahead and make a good show. <laughs>
5: You're goddamn right, I don't. And I oh, don't get me started on that shit. But no, this this this, this season eight, you're going to have extra time, right? So I'm expecting more episodes like this, where you give weight to the words as equally, at least, as you do to the techno- to like the, the the battles and everything else. Because up until this season, the best episodes might have, people's favorite episodes might have been Hard Home. And Battle of the Bastards and stuff, and it's, but it's because there were eight to nine episodes each season, or in the case like Battle of the Bastards, two and a half seasons, building up to that conclusion. You did not build up to what happened north of the wall, but for an episode and a half, and it wasn't even that good of a build-up. <laughs> you know, like, so... I don't you know,
2: care as much you, about the Night King as I did about Rimsie Bolton.
5: Yeah, ex- well... And that's that's maybe on purpose. Maybe they're writing the show to make us look at the Night King the same way that the people like south of the wall do, and not knowing he exists. I don't know, but it's yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get on a soapbox there, but I just these characters are, are amazing. You've got at the, even at the core of the show, if you look for Jon Snow, Danny, the Lannisters, uh, and, and the rest of the Stark kids, though that core group that is such a strong cast of good capable actors and then you pepper in Davo, Liam lean cunningham davos and tormund and those guys, you really pepper those guys in you know rory mccann you've got a hell of a cast lean on them let yeah. them do because even in their small scenes north of the wall talking to each other like 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 uh rory mccann talking to gendry joe cunningham whatever like god that was so nice why couldn't that have been more of that episode instead of so much that wasn't that i don't know and maybe it's just me i'm a piece of shit maybe i'm stupid and i don't know people no know i like your point
2: i like your point and yeah. had that we had more of the hound talking to uh gendry about whinging maybe we wouldn't be whinging so much on the show about
5: it yeah so. i'm whinging right now did it's like here's the thing uh, there's words coming out of my mouth and i'm bitching is the show super shitty no well then you're whinging so you're right i'm just sitting here whinging you're right and it's it's me being a, a me being a, a whinging nerd online, but the thing is, I just I, I want this show to finish strong. I don't want it to nip tuck itself down the stretch. Oh, so ooh, yeah, ooh. I'll, I'll go there. You went so, there. Actually, I don't want it to. I don't want it to FX itself. Let's there you be honest. go.
2: You already used. You already used Sons of Anarchy. You, go ahead and throw in FX while you're at it.
5: Don't be afraid to narrow down the cast just because you're at the end and everybody's popular right and that that doesn't mean you can have the wall just fall on Tormund and never talk about it again but at the same time you know a, a valid criticism of this season was that nobody like nobody was actually in danger at any point how many times did john survive shit he shouldn't have <laughs> right like i mean it's just nobody's in that danger anymore that we felt in previous seasons and i think that's a valid complaint so you know maybe they tried to address that with Barrick and Torment at the end but it was a pretty bad job of it so we'll talk about Otherwise, more i like the episode best episode of the season like smith said uh but in, in terms of this this season here not gonna crack the top five seasons no, of the show.
2: <laughs> I agree. And we'll talk more about this season next week with our uh supersized podcast. We'll have a few more guests on and we're really gonna dissect each episode. I mean as much as we possibly can. We'll whinge a little bit. We'll praise a little bit. We'll talk um, about we'll talk about um character deaths. We didn't get a lot in season seven. I thought that we would get so much more than we actually got. Um but next week we will be back. Same, same bat time, same bat channel. And after that, we're going go to go – we'll probably take about a couple weeks off, and then we're going to go to every other week recording when we get filming news. So take the black I could, Hold on a second. I didn't get a chance. Sorry. Oh! I thought you did with your... Okay, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I apologize, Isis. Go ahead. No, no,
3: no. no. I just want to say something not for me or how I felt about the episode or anything or the entire series. I actually want to talk about the people who listen to our podcast and the people who tweet us and follow our live tweets and everything. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't understand how wonderful... I've been on this podcast since the very beginning, so Mm it's... um, uh, David Razor, uh we've been on this podcast since the very beginning and everything and we have uh, this year has been crazy we have exploded um and that's all because of our listeners so I just want to say thank you so much for listening to our dinky ass freaking podcast <laughs> uh, that that you know we, we we started doing years ago and everything and uh, it's just really amazing that it's become so popular so from you know all the queries from me from from David and everything we just really want to say thank you and I, and personally I just want to say uh, thank you to Amy and Sue um, they do a lot of live tweeting with me during the episode and everything so I just want to give them a little shout out and say hey thank you I love you guys you guys are awesome and, um, and like I said we'll continue on putting these podcasts as long as you listen to them
2: you know what? That was a good sign-off from ISIS. ISIS, give it-
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by.